Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Business Leaders Radio. Now, here's your host, John Ray. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Business Leaders Radio. I'm John Ray, and uh, folks, this is good. This is going to be a good one. Uh, uh, even if I can't say that, this will be a good one. <laughs> Mike Marino is with us, folks. He's with Jasper Executive Coaching and Consulting. Mike, welcome. Well, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Sure uh, thing. So, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into how you're serving folks out there. Tell us a little bit, little bit about you and the work you sure, do. Sure. I, I always tell people, and I have to convince them sometimes, that I, I honestly and truly believe this, um, that my job is, I think, the most fun and rewarding job that there is. And I'm sure other people have told you that. Um, but literally, I, I get to see people and organizations change before my very eyes. And mm-hmm. there's nothing more rewarding than that. So, I mean, technically what I do uh, industry-wise, it would be called organizational development. Um, what I tell people I do is I develop strong leaders, strong teams, and, and strong cultures and within organizations. And it's all about just driving employee engagement, driving organizational performance by focusing on people. And I get to do that uh, in a number of ways. I do one-on-one coaching with executives. I do some team coaching. Um, I do workshops, training, I do some facilitation, but it's all around bringing about such change in people, mostly leaders and organizations. Now, Mike, you've, you've written a book, Transform Yourself, Transform Your Organization. And the subtitle of this book is, I want to get straight to it. <laughs> Why leaders always go first. Now, in this age of servant leadership and, uh, you know, those, those kind of concepts, which are great. Uh, uh, right. um, you don't see that <laughs> why <laughs> leaders always go first. So what, tell us what that's all about. That, that's a good question. Cause I'm a big fan of servant leadership as well, both practice mm-hmm. it and, and teach it. Uh, yeah, but it does kind of go in the face of other things you hear, you know, Simon Sinek says, you know, leaders eat last. And mm-hmm. here I'm saying why leaders have to go first. So it does seem like a bit of a contradiction. And what I'm coming from on that is from a leader's perspective, we all want our organizations and our people to be at their very best. And if they're not, when we want to see our organizations change, inevitably, I mean, organizations are nothing more than a reflection of us as leaders. And if we're seeing something in the organization we don't like or we want to see improved, chances are there's something in us that needs to be improved. There's probably something there that others don't like that they see in us. So all I'm saying is before we can expect the organization and the people to change and bring out the best in them, the leader has to stop and understand where they're at and bring out the best in themselves. So it could be seen as a form of servant leadership and that I'm asking the leader to model a process and do some development, gain some awareness in themselves before it's expected that it can happen in an organization. I mean, I read a quote a long time ago for a really, really old author, and I, I can't even remember who the author was, but the quote is, the desire of every leader should be that all he or she wants done in their people should first be truly and fully done in themselves. And I just firmly believe that. And that's why I say leaders have to go first. 
And if they do it well, then the things they've done can cascade throughout their team and the rest of their organization. So that that's where the subtitle came from. I love it. And of course, that's where the first part of that, uh, the book title, Transform Yourself, Transform Your Organization, it goes in that order. That's what you're <laughs> saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm curious about what you find with the folks that you work with. Do you find that leaders want to go first? I mean, that's a, that can be a scary proposition when, you, when you're talking about, oh, you mean the problem is me? Right. Um, I'd love to say, uh, yes, they all see that they need to go first, but no, that would be a lie. Um, there, there are some that do and some that don't. Um, I always refer back to an adage that, um, people change either because they know enough and want to, or they hurt enough and have to. And unfortunately I work with people on both sides of that equation. I prefer to work with the folks that know enough and want to change versus Mm -hmm. hurt enough and have to. Uh, but I work with both, um, the ones that want to lead uh, and go first are the ones, quite honestly, um, that demonstrate something that I refer to as probably the most important thing for a leader to have and possess, and that is a learner's mindset. If you're the type of leader that understands you don't know everything, and there's things you want to, you know, areas you want to grow in, and you have a learner's mindset, then you're going to be the type of person that probably wants to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a, a knower and you've got it all figured out and you think the issues, uh, you know, exist somewhere else in the organization, you're probably not going to be the one who's going to go first. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Now, now, you know, talk about that process. I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead just a bit, but I'm curious about, um, that leader that hires you because they want to change their organization. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, at some point in the conversation you're having, uh, you kind of turn the tables a little bit and start talking about them. How does that, how does that work? I mean, how, give us, give us uh, a <laughs> roadmap on how you have that conversation. Well, I mean, it works in a couple of different ways. Um, ideally I'll come in as a coach first and work coaching an executive with an executive, and we'll work through some of those issues one-on-one, and then we'll take it to the rest of the organization. But there are times, yes, when I get called in to come in and, you know, fix something, right? Our team's not working well together. Our organization's not performing the way it should be. Our culture's unhealthy. We're dysfunctional. Whatever the complaint is, I'll come in and, you know, a lot of times when I do my work, we do front end assessments and trying to understand where an organization's at. And there'll be times where I'll have to take that assessment and those observations and that learning and bring it back to the leader and explain to them, you know, where the issues reside and what needs to be done first. And Mm. there are times where those issues reside with the leader and the work that needs to get done needs to get done there first. And I'll be honest with you, I've had some clients that, you know, look at me, hesitate, but say, I get it, let's work on it. And I've had clients that at that point in the conversation have fired me. And I've had clients after I've had that conversation, knowing that 
they didn't really hear and listen to what I said, and they still wanted me to go work on the rest of the organization, but I fired them. Mm. So there definitely gets to a point there where the leader has to own up to what they've contributed to the situation and understand they've got to do their own work in addition to the broader work they want to see done in the org. So sometimes it can get a little uh, uncomfortable, let's say. Uh, yeah, let, 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 let's just pull off the road here and and and, and talk talk to uh, other uh, coaches, consultants that just heard something that's really important. You 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 basically uh, are willing to uh, say, hey, some clients aren't a great fit, and that's really really important. Um, uh, so so uh, that says something about you and your practice. So congratulations on that. Um, um, you describe leadership as a social thing. What, uh, talk about what you mean by that. Yeah. And I describe it as a social thing. First and foremost, I always want to remind people that uh, we all lead. Sometimes folks think they're, they're not a leader. And, you know, whatever platforms we have, whether it's at work, at home, uh, places we volunteer, coaching our kids. I mean, there's a number of places um, where we are engaged and we are probably in a leadership role. Some of us more than one place. We've been given multiple platforms to lead. And the whole concept of the social thing is that as you're leading, recognize people are always watching and listening. It's it, it's your actions and your words in the daily interactions that really contribute to the effectiveness of your leadership and your ability to bring out the best in others. I think sometimes people get carried away and think of leadership as these, you know, mountaintop moments, uh, these grand speeches, uh, these wonderful strategic ideas that pop out. But leadership, to me, it's really the accumulation of all the day-to-day things that happen in offices, happen in hallways, happen in homes, happen in rides and cars. So that's why I call it a social thing, because mm-hmm. it's just it's the accumulation of all those interactions, all those words, all those actions that come into play that help us, you know, form relationships, develop care for and build trust with other people that allows us to lead them effectively. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Makes sense. Folks, we're, we're speaking here with Michael Marino. Mike is the founder and CEO of Jasper executive coaching and consulting. And he's also the author of the book, transform yourself, transform your organization. Uh, Mike, let's, uh, switch gears here just for a second and talk about your background in your, your own journey. Uh, tell us how you kind of got to where you are. Sure. Uh, my background kind of professionally is split between half of my time spent in corporate America and half of it doing consulting work like the work that we're talking about today. Uh, my corporate background is mostly with uh, PepsiCo. I spent about 15 or 16 years there in sales, marketing, finance, leadership roles, which was a great organization. got great experiences and great exposure to wonderful leaders there. Um, but it was post my time at PepsiCo, uh, even though I had roles within PepsiCo that were involved in training development of, of, of sales and marketing individuals, 
Um, but when I when I left PepsiCo was when it started becoming clear to me what it really was I was passionate about. And in fact, I, I talk about in the book uh, something called a well-defined leader, you know, a leader who really understands their their purpose. You know, what what am I here? What should I really be using these gifts and talents and experiences I have to do? And um, I, I it just started to become clearer and clearer to me. Um, that I really wanted to be people-focused, not operations-focused, and I really wanted to focus on bringing out the best in people. And over the course of time, as I work with people, when I coach them, I try to have them come up with a purpose statement for their life. I kind of came up with my own, and my, my purpose is, is to be a bridge, uh, a bridge that helps people get from where they are to where they want to be. And I do that through coaching and training and, and facilitating. And I try to do that in my personal life, in my work life. And so that's what kind of transpired probably the, the 15 years after my time at PepsiCo as I've gotten more and more involved into this kind of organizational development space. What do you, what, what's, what's the one piece of your uh, journey that you think is has been most formative for you? Um, maybe an event, a person that, that is, has really been, um, really kind of sums up in, in, if you could point to one thing, sure. Where you are now. Right. There, there, there are a couple of people and, um, it took place back in 2007, 2008, I had some friends and I joined a firm called Tag Consulting, no longer exists. We sold it two years ago. Um, but Tag Consulting was a pure organizational development play, coaching, training, development, people, organizations. And I went into that organization coming out of the corporate world. Uh, they brought me in to basically be a COO, be an operational expert, if you will. And I got in there and I got so enamored with the type of work they were doing. This was started my, my own transformation, wanting to get more hands-on with this type of work. But the, the pivot was two of the founders of the company, uh, Joe Joukowsky and Jim Osterhaus, I love them. Um, they both came from a family counseling background and they brought family counseling approaches, systems thinking approaches to organizations and coming out of a Fortune 100 company, I, I just never heard that talk before. I thought because I had been a leader for 15, 20 years in a corporate setting that I was now positioned to help other people to be effective leaders. And what I realized is there was a whole half of the human being I didn't understand that these guys understood about why people behave certain ways, what their motivations are, and how that impacts how they interact with people and lead people and lead teams, that the the, the light bulb went off for me so bright. Uh, and I owe those two so much because I felt like if I continued to go down the track I was on, I was going to be half the, the consultant and coach that I, that I could be. And I was so blessed to have that time with them and, and learn from their experience and their perspectives that were so different than mine. Wow. Uh, uh, great, great words there from Mike Marino, folks, uh, with Jasper uh, Executive Coaching and Consulting. So let's talk about how an engagement works. I mean, uh, someone is interested 
I assume you have a, a initial consultation time. Uh, they let's say they want to move forward. How, how how does that work? And that um, uh, how do you how do you um, I guess diagnose and and recommend? Right. Yeah, because ninety nine point nine percent of what I do is customized to each individual and each organization. So I mentioned before that I I do a fair amount of upfront work. We can call it assessment work, discovery work, whatever we want to call it. But if I'm working with an individual and, and they're calling me about coaching, I'll have them do a number of assessments. So that could be a strength finder assessment, a Myers-Briggs, a DISC, an Enneagram, whatever those, you know, whatever they feel is they're more, most comfortable with or they have taken before. I tend to do interviews with people around them to get an understanding from the people they interact with on a daily basis, what they do well, what they don't do well. That helps me shape along with the goals and the objectives the individual has, what, what journey we're going to be on, what does that roadmap look like? And we'll set goals around all of that input and observation and discovery we did. Take that to an organizational level, same approach. Um, I very rarely go into an organization without doing some type of organization-wide survey, some form of focus groups or group interviews to get a full lay of the land in terms of what's working, what's not, where the problems might lie. And again, that will help shape what the next three months, six months worth of work will look like. And for every organization, it, it can be different. How do you, I guess, get to the truth, for lack of a better way of putting it? Because... <laughs> Because, you know, we talked about how we, we all fool ourselves about our own foibles, our own capabilities, our own role in messing up the situation that's messed up. Right. Um, and, and then when you start asking others in an organization, just the mere fact of asking the question can give you answers that are not, um, are influenced in some way or another, either positively or negatively, right? Depending on right. where, where someone's sitting at that time, how do you get to what the truth is? And again, that's why I do several layers of kind of discovery. So mm-hmm. if I do a survey and I can pick out three or four major themes from the survey from a thousand people, and then I'll do group interviews with 70 or 80 people hitting on those themes picking behind the themes, getting more detail behind them. And then in the individual conversations, I can ferret out whether I'm getting, you know, one-off kind of input or whether I'm really getting things that are patterns within the organization. Um, And then I, again, I'll take them back to the leadership and I'll give them an opportunity to kind of own them and try that out, try that feedback on and give them an opportunity to speak into it as well. Um, But more times than not, by the time I've sat down with leadership, I've heard something two, three, four times in a way that it's it's clear and compelling that it exists. Um, So very rarely do we end up kind of working on the wrong problem. And the biggest issue is is really being able to position those findings in a way that either the individuals or the organization is going to want to own because. Let's face it, we don't like being told about our blind spots mm-hmm. and the things we don't do well. So the hardest part is really just getting people to to hear those and want to make changes that, there. So for individuals, it's around blind spots. For organizations, it tends to be more about what I call adaptive issues. And those are the things that kind of lurk in the background that nobody really talks about. 
kind of the unknown problems, right? We haven't quite named them, but they're always there. Like, mm. why do we always bump into this issue? Well, that there's there's something going on that's adaptive that people are going to have to evolve and change, and it's not natural. It's not easy. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time for people to work through those types of things. But the most important thing is just identify what they are and own them, and agree that you want to work through them. And and that's that's really the difference between uh, impactful, successful coaching or consultation and an average one. Mm-hmm. If you can get people to really want to focus on working through their blind spots or their adaptive issues, then you get real, you know, transformational change coming out the other side, which again is the, is the fun part of what I do. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm interested in how you uh, work with leaders that are, at the beginning of their journey. I mean, we talked about some of the remediation <laughs> work that you do, but uh, you yep. also work with new leaders um, who are in new roles and, and yep. uh, new places on the journey. How do you work with them? Good question. Um, and, and new leaders usually are great because they're sponges at, at that stage and they, they want to just take on as much learning as they can. Mm-hmm. The hard part is that they've taken on so much learning. They're starting to think they need to lead like everybody else leads. So the first thing I always tell a new leader is be authentic. You're going to be successful leading as you and not leading like somebody else. You know, if you just read a book on somebody's leadership style, I mean, we all want to be Jack Welch, right? But we can't all lead like Jack Welch. I got to lead like Mike. You got to lead like John. We've got natural gifts, talents, strengths, styles, and we have to be authentic and lead from them. So I usually start by by telling them that, um, and, and, you know, a, a good example I'll give is you know, not as new leaders, but different leaders. I mean, when I was within PepsiCo, I got to experience two phenomenal leaders as the CEO and chairman of PepsiCo back to back. The first one was Roger Enrico, which people might remember, mm-hmm. you know, the Cola Wars, wrote a book. The other guy blinked. He was aggressive, brash, set the vision. This is where we're going. We're taking the mountain. Get behind me. Let's go. And he was hugely successful. He got followed by a gentleman by the name of Steve Reineman, who went on to be the dean of the business school at Wake Forest and other things. A fabulous guy. Loved Steve as well. But Steve was a much different cat. He was reserved. Um, he was more introspective. Um, he he gathered more input from people. He, he led a little more collaboratively. The vision was kind of a collective vision, not necessarily his own. But he was as an effective leader as anyone I've ever been around. So again, just examples that styles can be really, really different, but just lead from who you are, be authentic to who you are is the most important thing I tell people when they're new leaders. The other thing I always tell them is, you know, being a new leader, don't feel like you have to go in having all the answers. Go in actually thinking about having all the right questions. Ask lots of questions, gather a lot of information. Don't feel like you need to know everything. Don't try to portray that you do know everything. And the last thing I'll tell them is is you got to this point because you're probably a good learner and we're interested in growing. Keep learning, keep growing, keep developing. Don't stop because now you're in a leadership position. Now's the starting point on your your development. So there's some of the thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. So, Mike, I'd love it if you could share maybe a success story, maybe uh, 
and of course you don't have to use names, but, but if you could share a, a situation where your work has uh, created some uh, great transformation. Right. Um, and, and I'll keep it generic for the sake of confidentiality and the people sure. involved. But uh, I was part of a team um, working with a client in the Northeast that will stay nameless. Um, you know, they had issues from uh, they had just uh, taken on a new CEO. The founder of the company had retired. So that presents all kinds of issues when the founder leaves an organization and the next person steps into that office as the CEO and all the legacy stuff that comes with a founder. Um, the organization was kind of in, in the middle of kind of trying to redefine who they were as an organization, services, clients, what they wanted to be. So they weren't maybe performing at their best. You know, culturally, it was a little rough around the edges. They, you know, they just, they just, they, they weren't in a place that they wanted to be. So mm-hmm. we got brought in and we actually worked on three different levels. We, we worked coaching. So we coached the CEO and, and individually coached their direct reports. Uh, we worked with the leadership team around developing some, some high performance team behaviors uh, for them. And we you know we worked organizationally around culture. And, you know, one of the, things we do, as I mentioned, around the assessments we go in with, we, we do uh, an assessment around a healthy culture at the outset to identify just, you know, where they were as a baseline and kind of from a normative standpoint, how they stand against other organizations. And let's just say they got a, a D minus for, you know, easy terms. Um, we worked with them over three years and by the end of the first year going into the second year, we came back and did the assessment again. They were about a C plus. We came back at the end of the three years and they were an A. Mm. I mean, the, the behaviors have changed through the coaching at the highest level, through the teamwork that was being done with the executive leadership team. The behaviors had changed. They had identified new values, new principles. They were living them. They were measuring them. They were hiring people that were good fit with the new values and the principles. And quite honestly, the entire organization transformed. But Mm. I mean, ideally, it started with the CEO, their team, and the rest of the organization, just as I described earlier, kind of cascading its way through. It took three years. But, you know, if you talk to any psychologist, they'll tell you any any true behavioral change in an individual takes six to 12 months to begin with. So if you're talking about changing an organization. Uh, this was a great client because not only were they willing to take on their blind spots and their issues, but they were committed to it over the course of years. And if you're going to get the type of change we're talking about, transformational change, it's going to take sometimes two or three years, depending on where you're coming from. They stayed with it. We stayed with it. And um, I still touch base with them on a regular basis. They're doing well. In fact, when I wrote this book uh, last year, they they used my book as their reading material for their book club for their organization, and were nice enough to invite me in for a for an interview afterwards for a Q and A. So it was a great story and very rewarding to have worked with them. That's great story. Uh, <clears throat> great stuff. Uh, uh, well, Mike, this has been great. And, uh, I can't imagine that folks, uh, there's going to be some 
not be some folks that listen to this that do not want to get in touch with you. Uh, so let's get to the more, more, most important question I can ask, which is how they do that. Why don't you give your coordinates? Sure. Um, email Mike at jasperconsulting.org. The website is jasperconsulting.org. <clears throat> and I'm very available and I don't mind out mind giving out my, my, my phone number. It's 972-369-2536. And I do try to get back to folks within 24 hours, whether they email me, call me or text me. So give me 24 hours, but I'll certainly get back with folks. Awesome. Mike Marino, folks, with Jasper Executive Coaching and Consulting. Mike, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, folks, just a quick reminder that you can find the complete archive of our shows at businessleadersradio.com. And uh, we're part of the Business Radio X network. We love it. If you go uh, uh, check out our complete site of shows and and uh, that we have across our nationwide network, uh, you can and you can follow us uh, on social media. At Business Radio X is a search term on all the major social media platforms, and particularly uh, LinkedIn. Uh, if you have any questions about the show or would like to get in touch, my email address is jray j r a y at businessradiox.com. So for my guest Mike Marino, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Business Leaders Radio.